we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. And I want to stay in that frame of mind of prayer. For those that are online, for those wherever you are in the world, join us in worship for those in the house. Uh, Just right now, I want to pray for anyone who needs a victory in their life. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you made promises in your word that through the cross of Jesus and through the empty tomb, then you unleashed a power, a resurrection power where nothing is impossible with you. And there are some folks, God, I know needed a victory this morning. They're needing to know the, the power of the resurrection in some area of their life. And I pray you would unleash it. That you would help them to overcome, God. Take a step. Just taking a step toward that victory that you have in store, God. I pray for our our friends over there on the other side of the world in Ukraine and those that are fleeing, God, that that soon they will see a victory, God. Not not just a victory of deliverance from the oppression, God, but but a victory within their souls, a victory within their well-being. And we pray the same for those in Russia and Poland, God, that somehow by your mighty resurrection power, God, uh, that, that you would win, that you would experience victory as you see your people set free from the tyranny of evil and just the clutches of pride and power, God. And uh, God, all of us have some sort of pride or power that's got a clutch over us. And uh, We pray that you'd set us free by your resurrection power. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, well, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, you act like you don't believe me. Like, Pastor, that was last weekend. No, you don't understand something. Every weekend we gather, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means every weekend is Easter. So, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah. Happy Easter. I mean, it it is here. But let's just go ahead and say it. Let's admit it. The Easter. I mean, the Easter. You know, the Easter. That is, last weekend was, was the Easter. The Easter will be an Easter to remember at Pathway Church for years and years and years and years. Because last weekend, there were 13 people who said yes to Jesus Christ and were baptized. And 10 of them in their Easter clothes. They just walked in and said, I can't even wait. I'm going to go right now. And it was awesome. It was unbelievable. And not only that, there were 43 people last weekend who who said, I'm ready, who are going to be baptized and professed faith in Jesus this very weekend right here and now. Can we give God a shout of praise for that? I mean, that's just incredible. Over 40 households, 40 different households, and they're not just saying yes to Jesus. They're saying, yes, I want this to be my church home. We said they could separate and say, no, this is my church home. I want to drive. This is my home. And it was folks of all ages. It was young, old. It was family members. It was friends. It, it was just amazing. It's going to be amazing today as well. I mean, there was this young, this young man, this young man, this young dad who goes into the water, and he's married, been around here for a long time. As he's walking into the water, his, his little son says, Yay, Daddy! It was awesome. <laughs> when you got to hear your kid go, Yay, Daddy! Yay, Mommy! Yay! That's what they, they said. Uh, there was an adult, adult mother who went into the water, and her father went in right after her. It was just it was, it was so, I, I know this, this family. It was so moving for me. Uh, there was a gentleman who had been just, just beat up by alcohol, just owned his soul, been sober for about a year, 
It just so happened close to the anniversary. So instead of celebrating his anniversary of being sober by drowning his sorrow in alcohol, he drowned his addiction in the baptismal grace of Jesus. And it was amazing. It was just an amazing, powerful thing. And there was this woman, there was this woman who just kind of said these words to me. She said, she said, Pastor, I've strayed so far from God. It just seems like God is so far in my rearview mirror. I just need to reconnect with God. I just need to reconnect with God. And boy, that just, that, that, that resonated with me. How many of you in your life just kind of would admit, you know, I just need to, re I just need to reconnect with God. I think there's a deep need within each of our souls to get, be connected to our creator, to be connected to God. But so many of us, we don't know how to do that. We don't even think we're qualified. If we look at our life, we go, who am I to be qualified that God would want to connect with me? That God, that God would not want to do that. But the fact of the matter is that people, even though folks who don't believe in God, if you don't believe in God, you're welcome here. I want you to you're so welcome here. And there's a reason why you're here, not just because somebody bugged you and somebody just kind of elbowed you and just won't let you go. You're here because down deep within your soul, you have a need to be connected to the one who designed and created you. We all do. Since the pandemic, I've seen this need just increase and increase and increase and increase and increase and increase. The needs of God's people to be connected to him have just gone up and up and up and up and up and up with so many things. I mean, and the onslaught of bad news, it seems like every week, every month, there's just more bad news and more bad news and more bad news and more and the need for good news keeps getting higher and higher and higher and the need for the church to make a bold declaration. There is a good news that the world cannot touch and his name is Jesus. The world can't touch him because he's apart from everything in the world. And we learned last weekend, I hope you did, that Jesus is still in the business of touching people at the very most inner part of their being and just connecting with them and loving and healing them. And when he does that and you ask him the question, what's new? Their answer is what? Everything. That everything can become new in your life. Now, we're going to stay and continue on that theme here this morning as we launch into our new series. Uh, we're calling it Rooted, and I want to begin with a question for you. And I want to go back to those who said yes to Jesus last weekend and those that are saying yes to Jesus this weekend being baptized. And here's my question. Do you think their life is about to get easier or harder? Now, before you answer that, we're going to take a little poll. How many, and online, I want you to participate online, okay? Join us online. If you're over there in the sanctuary, join us online. Raise your hands. How many of you think that their life is about to get easier? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Wow. How many of you think their life is about to get harder? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you will never raise your hand in church because you're afraid of being wrong and you'll be wrong in front of God? Right? Yeah. 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 Right. Hey, I think most definitely that when you say yes to step into faith, Somehow, it's going to get more difficult. It's going to get a little, a little bit more, more complicated. A little more, I would say, the word costly. There's a great little book called The Cost of Discipleship, written by a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, this great theologian. And in his book, he critiques something called cheap grace. Now, here is cheap grace. This is when you and I say something like this. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. 
Thank you for dying on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. Thank you for all of that. But you know that stuff, Jesus, you taught about when you started teaching about my character? When you started teaching about how I behave, how I think, how I act, my attitude? I really don't have much interest in that. In fact, that stuff sounds too hard. That stuff sounds too challenging. That stuff sounds too costly. I'll let you know when I need you. I'll call you when I'm in trouble. That's what you call cheap grace. If this is you, if you're someone who has bought into the concept of cheap grace, that means when you read the Bible, you hear Jesus say something to you like this, love your neighbor, pray for your enemy, confess your wrongdoings to somebody else, turn the other cheek, give sacrificially. When you hear some stuff like that, you say, I'm not going to do that. Why would I even try that? I'll fail. I can't do that. That's too hard. That's too difficult. That's too costly. It's too much. No way. This is you. It's me. But, but the question I want to wrestle with, what is the cost of not loving? What is the cost of not doing the things that Jesus teaches? Being rooted in what he teaches. What is the cost of not loving? What is the cost of not forgiving? What is the cost of not following? What is the cost? In your notes, I will say number one, kind of a foundational for, for this message series. The cost of not being rooted in the ways of Jesus will cost more than being rooted in the ways of Jesus. This is very important. Jesus did not teach that his way would be more difficult, that it would be harder, difficult, yes, Challenging, yes. Costly, yes. But not more. Look what he says. Matthew chapter 11, 28. We'll put it on the screen. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? It's, it's what? I can't hear you. It's what? It's easy. And my burden is heavy. My burden is why It's light. Really, Jesus? You're telling me this yoke, this way of being rooted and following you, really, it's easy? What is a yoke? A yoke is a beam that connects two animals where they walk side by side when they're pulling something or when they're plowing. And when they are yoked together, the load that they're carrying actually feels lighter and the resistance of the plowing actually decreases. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you are yoked to me, when you are rooted, connected to me, when you have life with me, yes, your life may be more inconvenient at times. Yes, it may cost you something. But in the long run of your life, it's going to be easier. In your notes, number two, being rooted in the way of Jesus is not, not the more difficult or challenging way. It's not. Now, we see this throughout the Bible. This is themed throughout, throughout Scripture. We're just going to put a couple on, 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 the, on the screen. It says, Proverbs 13, 15, good judgment, good judgment wins favor 
I mean, things get easier, things get more, more, more full. But the way of the unfaithful, they stray away, they don't obey the command, it leads to their destruction. Over here in 1 John chapter 5, the other end of your Bibles, we'll put it on the screen. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not what? They're not what? Burdensome. But that's exactly what most of us here experience in his commands. We see the commands of Jesus as being burdensome, as being heavy, as being legalistic, as being hard, so challenging. As a kid growing up, I was exposed to this. It seemed like everywhere I went, where I just got taught that following Jesus is about this hard challenge of keeping the reels and doing this. And it's kind of like plain Simon says, but it's the Bible says. The Bible says, don't do this. The Bible says, do this. And if you don't do this, and if you do that, then boom, you're out of here, baby. You're out of the game. Now, here's what I've learned. Is that people over time who are just all these, these harsh sort of rule keepers when it comes to their faith about doing this sort of thing. They have a little jealousy in their soul for other people. That's kind of what happened in the story of the prodigal son. You have the older brother who's keeping all the rules. He's doing everything like it's supposed to be. He sees his little brother not keeping all the rules. And it looks like his way is easier. It looks like he's having all the fun. And the older brother's a little jealous of the little brother. Because he gets the party. He gets the new jewelry. He gets the new shoes. And he's not keeping all the rules. This is why people quit church. This is why people run away from God. People say stuff like this. You know, I've been in church. I've been doing religion all my life. I've been following all the rules. I've been doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And yet still, God is not throwing me a party. God is not giving me a new wardrobe. God is not giving me new shoes. God is not doing what I want. God is not giving me exactly what I expected and what I wanted. In your notes, number three, being rooted in the way of Jesus is the easier way to live in the long run, but not necessarily in the short run. In the short run, it would be more difficult, it would be more challenging, it would be costly, and there's no guarantees. There is no guarantees that your life is going to be better instantly, that your marriage is going to flourish, that your kids are going to be compliant, that you're going to find wealth and prosperity and reputation and success. There is no guarantees when you follow Jesus. That's going to be the end result. But if you are yoked to him, if you are rooted to him in the long run of your life, it will cost you less and it will get better. That's the promise of Scripture. So how, how do I get this easy yoke? How do I get rooted, really rooted in that relationship with Jesus? In your notes, it goes like this, number four. I put on the easy yoke by following Jesus. That means that I've got to change my question. And here's the core question of faith. Am I following Jesus? Not just am I keeping all the rules. Not am I just doing what it says and not doing what it says. No, don't do. Not that. Am I following Jesus? 
It's not, am I perfect? It's not, am I doing more and better than the person sitting next to me right now? Am I following Jesus? So let me ask you, are you? There's a big difference in following Jesus, following someone, and admiring someone. I can admire someone from a distance. I can study about someone. I can learn all the facts about someone. I can speak well of someone. But to follow them means I get close enough to them that I'm beginning to imitate their life and their life is rubbing off on me. Following is a big difference than adhering to the rules. I know the rules. They're legalistic. Do this. Don't do that. I'm going to do it. It's so much more than that. And that's what so many people have reduced it to. Have, don't, don't raise your hand, but, but how many of you know somebody that keeps all the rules in, in the Bible, but they're just nothing but a jerk? Be careful. Don't look around. You know what I mean? They're going to look, you know. I mean, they keep all the rules. I mean, they, and they always say, you better do this. You better not do that. Don't do this. And they're just that person who feels like they're going to stop you know, they, they call it. But on the inside, nobody even likes to be around them. Because they're jerks. They're on this power trip of being righteous and right all the time. People wanted to be around Jesus. They just love to be around Jesus. So the question we're wrestling with, I'm asking you, are you following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus? I want to give you a picture of what this looks like on how to do this. I want to give you a little biblical help. And so just kind of take it a little bit deeper on what it can mean to really follow and to be in this relationship with Jesus. I'm going to read a passage from Luke chapter 5. And I hope by the time we get finished, you're going to have a picture, especially for those that are about to be baptized, profess their faith, of what it really is, looks like to follow Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 1, Luke. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowded around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, uh, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything because you say so, though. We'll let down the nets. Verse 6, but when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full, they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore. They left everything, left everything, and they followed him. Let's start with that last line. Could you please start that last line? Left everything and followed him. Now, if you're a church person and you hear that line, they left everything and followed him. What are you saying? Of course. Of course they did. That's just the right thing to do. But if you're someone on the street, you're someone out in the world, 
And somebody comes up to you and says, hey, listen, I want you to leave everything, all you got, and follow this guy. What's your response? You're out of your blooming mind. You're crazy. This is a joke, right? I mean, you do know my life, right? I mean, I'm married. I got three kids. I got a mortgage. I got a boat payment. I got responsibilities. I got aging parents. I'm just trying to get out of high school. I'm just trying to get to college. I'm just trying to make a life for myself. There is no blooming way I can walk away from everything, everything, leave everything and everyone and go follow this guy. Please notice something in the text. The text ends with them leaving and following. It doesn't begin there. And that's why so many of you fail in this relationship with Jesus. You start at the end instead of the beginning. And here's the beginning. Back up here in chapter 5, verse very first verse. It says they were listening to the word of God. Letter A, following begins with listening Luke tells us right there, that's what they're doing. We don't know if they're sitting, we don't know if they're standing, but they are somehow, they are just listening to the word of God. They're listening to Jesus. And I think they're listening because they want to know who is this guy? I want to know more about him. Like you, they had questions. They have questions about faith. They have questions about God, like you. They have questions about what does baptism mean? We saw John baptizing. What does that even mean? What is that? Like you, they had questions. You know, my life hasn't turned out the way I expected. Like you, you have problems. Like you, they have these questions about life and why their life hasn't turned out in a certain way. I've been obeying all the rules. I've been doing all the right things. How come my life is so hard? Why is it so challenging? Why have my kids turned out the way they have? Look what I've done. Look how my kids have turned out. Like you, they have all these questions for Jesus. And they says, the scripture says, they sat there and they listened. Please hear this. Every single time, following Jesus begins with listening. It means with getting informed. It means with learning something. It means with filling your mind and your heart with stuff that you could not grasp and you could not understand. You see, that is why around here we have teaching in our worship. So when you come here, you're hopefully your mind is stimulated in thoughts and ideas and you leave here, you're wondering and you're thinking and you're wrestling. That's why we have small groups. That you go step into a small group and in that small group, you read the Bible, you'll read a book, you'll discuss it out loud, you'll talk about it, you'll hear what they say and what they say and what you say and you learn and you listen and you think about it. Following Jesus always begins with listening and being more informed and getting some balance of under a starting point it always begins there for some of you here's what that means for some of you that means you just need to keep coming to worship for the next six weeks to make a commitment i'm going to come to worship for six weeks and i'm just going to come and listen and ask questions and wrestle and soar for some of you that means it's time to go to pathfinders class because when you go to pathfinders class we share with you a little bit more about what it is to follow jesus practically in this church we call pathway maybe you need to take bible 101 bible 101 is a class where you just get exposed to the bible at a high level view to kind of figure out how to begin to navigate your way through it but i promise you 
it is okay, 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 okay to ask the hard questions of faith. That doesn't mean you're a doubter. That means you're a real human being. I mean, we had people here that were here last weekend to worship for Easter for the very first time, and you came back, some of you. I want to say you're welcome here. Thank you for coming back. And I know some of you probably wonder, hey, we were here last weekend, and we saw the dark to light. We saw those baptisms. What does that even mean? I got questions about that. That's okay. It's okay. There was someone who was about to go in the baptismal waters, and they said, Pastor, 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 I really, really, really want to get baptized. I mean, I really, really do, but I still have questions. Is that okay for me to still have questions? I swear, I baptize you in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Boom. Yes. What's your question? <laughs> it's okay that even after you're baptized, you said yes to Jesus, to sit and to listen and to wonder. That's part of this journey of following. Some of you have been doing that for a long time. Some of you have been coming here to Pathway Church for a while. You've been listening, 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 growing small groups, all that sort of thing. And you're ready for the next step of following. And that is in your notes, letter B. It's being inconvenienced. Being inconvenienced. See, you and I live in a world that's based on convenience. We want everything to be in our culture of convenience, to be easy, to be simple, to not be complicated, to not be hard. And you've even done that to your faith in the following of Jesus. Please notice here in the text up there in the early verses. Simon Peter and the brothers had just got finished fishing. They had come in and they were done and they're washing their nets. And Jesus says, sorry, guys, I need to inconvenience you. I need to take your boat and move the boat out here just a little bit so I can do a better job of teaching. Small inconvenience, just a little inconvenience. Have you ever noticed that the smallest inconvenience can be the biggest irritations? Have you had some of your biggest explosions as a person over little things that someone wanted you to do when you had something else you thought was more important going on? And I can imagine Peter say, hey, listen, Jesus, why didn't you ask us a while ago? Just a few minutes ago, we were out there. We were just off the shore a little bit. Why couldn't you have done it then? I mean, we were already out there. You could have walked on water, right? Just taken a few steps, got in the boat. It would have been so much easier. But now you're having us to go back out. Some of you, it's time for you to be inconvenienced. Maybe just a little, but stop just being so comfortable. Just stop just making everything so ample around your schedule, around your life. For some of you, you've never taken the risk of stepping into a small group. It's just so hard. My timing, I got to get kids, things for the kids. I mean, we got a schedule, we got to rearrange our week. You've never taken that step of being inconvenient to be where I, I'm going to say my name out loud, hello, my name is, to somebody else. You've never taken that step to, to be engaged in community and meet other people. You said that you've wanted to. You said, I want to meet other people. But when worship's over, you got to get to lunch. That's why you come to 930 to beat the crowd. Or that's why you're there at house. You want it to be easy. So you're at home. Right? I know there's all sorts of reasons for watching online. But you want it to be convenient, right? And I'm just saying this morning for some of you, if you're here in the house and you're here in the space, I challenge you to be inconvenienced this morning and be a little late to the store, be a little late to, to dinner and stop around and introduce yourself and meet someone because you may be the only person that will speak to them. Be inconvenienced a little. 
For some of you, that means that you need to tell somebody a struggle you have. You've been keeping it to yourself. you got a habit. you got a hang-up. You have an issue that you can't get past, and you're trying to control it all yourself because you don't want anybody to know because that's more be inconvenient for somebody else to know. And for you this morning, it's going to make a commitment. I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to talk to somebody, a mentor, a pastor, a counselor, my spouse, my parents, a school counselor. I'm going to tell somebody so I get unstuck and step into new life. Will you please hear this? Every time Jesus asks you to step into new life, it will be uncomfortable. It will be inconvenient. It will cost you something. As human beings, we gravitate over time to settle in to comfort and convenient and there's no life there. There's death there. You've got to be open to being inconvenienced. And some of you have done that. You say, well, Pastor, I've been listening for a long time. And I've been inconvenienced. I've loaned my boat to Jesus so many times. <laughs> He's used my stuff. He's used my life so many times. But still, you find yourself emotionally stale. You still find yourself emotionally empty. You still find yourself kind of in this place. It doesn't feel like I'm in a relationship with God. It doesn't feel like I'm alive. In fact, some of you still feel dead in your spirit, even though you've listened and you've been inconvenienced. And this is why you've never done the third thing, which is the most important thing. Letter C is take Jesus fishing. And you go, what does that even mean, take Jesus fishing? It says right here in verse 4, Peter was told, told by Jesus, put out in the deep water Let's let down the nets for a catch. Let's go fishing. And if I know what Peter's thinking, he's thinking, Jesus, why don't you stick to carpentry and let us do the fishing? Because now's the worst time in the world to fish. We just got finished doing it all overnight. Fish aren't biting now. That's why we're cleaning up our nets. That's why we're going home. Leave the fishing to us. Here's what take Jesus fishing means. That means you take Jesus into an experience of your life, something you do every day, something you've done every day for at least a thousand and one times, and this time you try it Jesus' way. He says, let me go fishing with you guys, and this time try it my way and see what happens. For example... Some of you take Jesus fishing into your finances. Take him into your money. And try it his way. Try organizing your money, organizing your spending, organizing your priorities of your stuff. And maybe that means not buying so much stuff, not getting so much debt, not spending what you do not have, not having this greed and this longing for more and more and more, but rearranging that so when you get to the end of the month, you're not <laughs> just panning all the time. And when you get to the end of the month, if God wants to use you to bless somebody, you can because you're doing it his way, not your way. That's what that might mean for some of you. For some of you, it might mean taking Jesus fishing into your relationships. Everybody here has a relationship with somebody. You all have a relationship, and you've been trying it your way. How's that working for you? How about inviting Jesus in to go fishing in your relationship and take, Jesus, take the people that you know fishing with you with Jesus? 
And what would that look like? For you to forgive people like Jesus forgives. What would it look like for you to pray for your enemy like Jesus does? What would it look like you for go to somebody and say, would you please forgive me? I know I hurt you. What would it look like for you to turn the other cheek in the relationship? What would it look like for you to put on the apron and begin to serve the people in your family instead of expecting them to serve you, to do it the way Jesus does? What would it look like for you to reconcile your differences instead of just fight and battle all the time and to hold your kids down with a thumb? What would it look like for you to invite Jesus into your stinking thinking? To go fishing in your mind. To pull out the thoughts that are of God and not are of the world and not of the flesh. What would it look like for you to invite Jesus to go fishing in your mouth? The words that come out of your mouth, the gossip, talking about other people, saying things about stuff that you know nothing about, or you think you know, well, I heard so-and-so say, oh, I heard, hey, did you hear about this, did you hear about this, did you hear about that, and you haven't known, you don't know anything about it, but you're talking about it like you do, gossip, 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 could you please invite Jesus to go fishing in your mouth and just stop talking, because when you fish, you don't talk. And stop talking about things you know nothing about, especially when it comes to other people. Church, I could go on and on and on and on. But here's what Jesus is just trying to say. I want you to really get to know me. And I really want you to understand my way of doing things. So I want you to follow and take me fishing with you into every area of your life and see what happens. And I will tell you what happened when Peter agreed to do it. It changed his whole perspective of Jesus. Down here in verse, verse 8 it says, he said, when Simon Peter saw this, uh, let me go back up. Is that where I want to be? Yes, he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He called him Lord because in that moment, he knew, okay, Jesus is not an ordinary guy. He is Lord. I mean, it changed the whole dynamic of the relationship with Jesus when he took him fishing with him because he had this experience of all this fish. He couldn't amaze him, and it was so close to him. In fact, he even says, go away. Have you ever had an experience with Jesus that was so powerful? You go, no, I don't know if I can handle this. You just need to go away. I mean, I think I want to be in a relationship with you, but it's, I just thought we were going to do religion. I just thought we were going to go through the motions. I didn't know you were going to change my whole life. And then Jesus puts him at ease, and he says, hey, don't worry about it down there at the very end. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. Church, do you think that Peter ever went another day in his life not trusting that Jesus could do something miraculous in his life? It changed everything. It changed everything. Because he got him involved in his life and he tried it his way. That can happen to you. But you've got to take a risk. One experience, one, one something, and trust that Jesus' way is better than your way. And see if your boats don't fill up with so much fish, you can't carry the, the abundance and power of God in your marriage, in your parenting. But you've got to step out and take the chance to go fishing with Jesus. And here's the last thing. When you do all that, some of you have been doing all that, some of you have, I surrender my life. I surrender my whole life. Some of you can be tempted to start here. Yeah, yep, I'm, boop, I'm just a bottle rocket, boom, and you will fail. I see it happen all the time. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to read the Bible from front to back. I'm going to read it from back to front. I'm going to do it. You get to Leviticus and you stop. 
I'm going I'm to be here every week. I'm going to serve everywhere. You, you drive in and you stop. You don't start here. You start on the other end. But there comes a point. There comes a point. Some of you have been right here for a long time. A long, long time. But you never, ever, ever, ever surrendered and said, Jesus, here's my whole life. And that's exactly what Peter did. It says, then finally he left everything. He left everything and everyone that he knew and believed in. He said, I'm just going to follow this guy. Have you noticed how it changes Peter's life? Do you know the story of Peter, ordinary fisherman? And all of a sudden he saw all these things and did all these things, experienced all these things, and now he becomes a leader of leaders. Now he becomes someone with influence and impact all because, all because of this little journey he went on to where he really figured out what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes I wonder, what if he hadn't? What if he had not done that? What if he hadn't? What if he said no? What if when Jesus said, hey, lay down your nest, come out here. What if he said, no, I'm, sta I'm staying by the nest. No, I'm not taking my boat out again. I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay right over. I'm staying on the shore, Jesus. I'm not going. I'm not following. I'm staying. What if he would have stayed right? What if he would have stayed right here? I'll make you a promise. The cost, the cost would have been higher for Peter to say no than it was for him to say yes. It was. In the long run of his life, it would have cost him more to say, I'm not going to do it. Here's what surrendering means. Surrender means surrender is a process. Surrender is a process. It is a process of moving into a relationship where more and more and more you are saying, I'm going to move into this life. I've seen what you can do. I want you to take over. I'm going to. It's kind of like getting married. Surrendering is kind of like getting married. When you're, when you, before you get married, you're in control of your life. You think, you think, you, unless you think you are. Because you have the remote control. And you can turn the TV on and off and watch anything you want as loud or quiet as you want, right? You can put anything in the refrigerator you want. It stays there. It's yours. You put it there. And your dirty clothes, if you want to, they can go to the hamper or they can stay on the floor forever. And then you get married. No more control. Getting married is costly. Getting married changes everything. Getting married is risky. There's so many unknowns. You don't know how it's all going to turn out. There's no guarantees. What do you think costs more? Following Jesus, trusting Jesus, or not following and not trusting? Which do you think costs more in the long run of your life? What do you think is going to cost you more in your life? Not letting Jesus lead or letting him lead? What's it going to cost more? I will tell you, I'm so glad I surrendered. I'm so glad I surrendered and I married Dallas. I'm so glad I surrendered. I will tell you, it, it's been very, very hard. Harder on her than me. Cost her a whole lot more than me, I promise. But man, sometimes I think, what if I hadn't have said yes? What if I had have said, what if I'd have said no? What if she'd have said no? How much do, I, it was costly, it's been hard, it's been challenging, but what, what if, what if? And I start thinking, what if I had not surrendered my life to Jesus? Where would I be today? How much different would my life be if I had not said yes when he asked me, come follow me? And sometimes I wonder, what if I had not said yes to ministry? When he said, let's go. 
What if when we lived in Burleson, Texas, we lived in, in, in Odessa, Texas, we lived in a very comfortable, we had a great life, an easy life, a convenient life, and a comfortable life, and God said, we want you to move and go to Burleson, Texas. Where? Burleson, Texas. Where? Burleson, Texas. What if I hadn't said yes? What if our family, where would our family be if we hadn't said yes? And what if after seminary, when seminary was over, and I'm out, and finally I got that burden off my shoulder, and God said, listen, I want you to plant roots and stay here for your entire ministry. You're going to be tempted to leave. You're going to be tempted to go. Sometimes I wonder, what if, what if, what if we had not said yes to that when he said, I want you to do this. And sometimes I wonder, when our marriage got hard and both of us felt like we don't know if we can make it. And God said, I want you to stay. I want you to stay in the marriage and I will help you. What if we hadn't said yes? Where would our family be today? There's only two words that Jesus has for you, and these are they. Follow me. That's it. Just follow me right now. Just follow me. It's not about doctrine. It's not about theology. It's not about knowing all the rules. It's just about a relationship with me. Just follow me. That's it. And I will promise you this, the cost of later on in your life, later on in your life, looking back to this weekend or this year and going, you know what? What if? What if I'd have said yes? What if? What if I had faced my doubts? What if I'd have faced all my uncertainties? What, what if? What if? What, what if I'd have stepped out? What if? What if? cost of not saying yes is far greater than saying yes, I promise you. And it's the easier way in the long run. So what about you? What's your next step? Is it to listen? Is it just to keep on listening? Maybe you need to is it to be inconvenienced? Is that your next step? Your next step is to be inconvenienced? Do something outside your little comfort zone? Is your next step maybe to take Jesus fishing into some area of your life that you've been trying it your way <laughs> and just try it his way and just see? Is that your next Or maybe, maybe your next step is to surrender your whole life. Maybe it's to go public. And that's what we're doing right now. We have some families some people that are going public. So we're going to do that right now. So I'm going to invite, come on up. Mason, bring Madison with you, family. Michael, Megan, Tracy, Pamela, Troy, Brittany, uh, Natalie, Benjamin, Greenlee, Dawson. If I left anybody out, Pharisee, I'm sorry. Come on up. She's already down here. Okay. Come on down here. some family or friends that are going to come stand around them. Come do it. Come stand around them. Come stand around them. Put your hands upon them. They're going public. They're standing up saying, I want to follow Jesus.
my child dedicated to the Lord. Everyone at the cross, one question, whether you're just for the very first time or it's the second time or renewal at the cross. Do you repent of your sin and accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life? Do you? Question number two, because you said you want this to be your church home. You say, I want to drive this. This is my place. This is my people. These are my people. Do you promise to come to this place telling the Lord Jesus, not me telling him, do I promise to come here and to worship together and to serve together and to grow together in the rooted in the ways of Jesus? Do you promise to do that, do you? Okay. You want to dedicate this little girl to the Lord? Okay. You promise to raise her in a home where Jesus is Lord. You promise to expose her to the Word of God. Well, she knows the Word of God is a love letter right back to her. Do you promise to do that? Do you? Oh, my gosh. I can tell you got the joy of the Lord already. Okay. Her full Christian name. Madison Jean Roberts. We dedicate you to the Lord for His purposes the future you have for her life, oh Lord. Just watch over her and one day, God, bring her back to this place or someplace where she will kneel and claim Jesus as her Savior, Lord. Amen and amen and amen. Okay, those that are being baptized in this service, ask for pouring. So we're going to ask you to kneel. We're going to ask you to kneel. If you can, if you can, I want you to kneel. Okay, just kneel right where you are. And we're going to walk down the aisle. And we're going to come. We're going to baptize. I know there's a couple of you are going to wait until after 11 o'clock. And that's good. That's good. We'll see you out in the fountain. Okay, we're ready. We'll start down here. I want the congregation to be in the spirit of prayer. In the spirit of celebration here, okay? All right. Full Christian name. Greenlee June Lecky. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Full Christian name. Benjamin Alexander Phillips, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Full Christian name. Brittany Cole. Last name again? Break. Brittany Nicole Brake, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Full Christian name. Troy Ryan Brake, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You want both being baptized? Transferring by letter. Okay. We good? I'm just so excited, okay? Let's pray. God, on this day, it is with heartfelt joy and thanksgiving we receive these who come to say, this is my church home, and I want to declare that Jesus is my Savior and Lord. Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them courage. Give them grit. Give them tenacity. Give them a boldness to stick with it when it gets hard. And God, I pray one day they'll cross over that edge. Not in eternity, God, but on this side of heaven. And they'll find the way of Jesus is the easier way and the best way in every area of their life. I pray be so in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Can we celebrate what God is doing in the lives of all these families? Yeah.
Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.